Welcome to another installment of 141 Studios. I believe this is the... Studio. Studio. You're right. Studio. This is, only not, this is not uh, Genesis, okay? This is, <laughs> is this a studio? No, it's not that. It's a studio. Just, just a singular. It's singular. a singular entity. No plurals. No plurals in this place. Uh, so so welcome to, to 141 uh, Studio. Did it right that time. Um, and I believe this is Coffee House? We're doing a Coffee House. This is a Coffee House episode, yes. About um, Thomas Tuchel, maybe? And Jurgen Klopp. Right, and how they're similar? And different. And I'm going to guess that this involves mines. It involves mines and Dortmunds and the present Premier League. And maybe Pulisic if we can make it happen. You know, <laughs> really? just... But, yeah, well, we're American, so I think we gotta... But Pulisic had nothing to do with Jurgen Klopp. He was there. I was mean, I, yeah, Klopp was, like, his first manager, I believe. He was, like, 16 or whatever, 17. Mm. I think Klopp gave him his first first game time at okay. the senior level. I, I might be wrong. I've, I, I've done it before. I mean, we're gonna talk about the intrinsic differences between the two managers, both great, about what is different about them and why they are similar and why it is important that we discuss this because one is more of a pioneer and one just wants to drive the bus he wants to win he just wants to win only win only win yes only win only win all right i'm paul's and i'm ryan no only singular (laughs) no plurals all right only singular i'm paul this is this is ryan and welcome to the coffee house insert segue insert segue here Heavy metal football. What does that make you think of? What does that make me think of? What does that make you think of? Uh, Metallica and um, German Germany, maybe? Makes me think of a tall, thin man that wears a baseball hat and glasses. He's not Austrian? East, uh, Central, <laughs> North Central European man? I don't know, I... <laughs> he's somewhere there. He's no, he's German. Ah, he's a German man. But what part of Germany? Now it's important. Now it's I guess it's important. It's Mainz. He's from Mainz. He's he's a Mainz man. He played at Mainz for a very long time. Played at Mainz. He managed Mainz. Mainz. Yeah, he managed Mainz. Uh, and he then went to Dortmund and was very successful. Very nearly won a Champions League, and then. And then took some time off to rediscover his joie de vivre and uh, his modus operandi for what he does and went to Liverpool a couple years later. This man, of course, is Jurgen Klopp. Yes, Jurgen Klopp. One of the, you know, I would say maybe all-time great managers of European football and maybe world football, at least right now, after what he's done and what he's created over the course of three clubs and how he's built them. He's a journeyman. Not a journeyman. Now he's a pioneer. Excuse me, um, and someone who sees the big picture at every place that he goes, which is really important. He's his tactics have been revolutionary. He has looked at football at a time when people are like, "We should play this beautiful," and he's like, "You know what we should do? Kick him and take the ball." And then score on the counter. Maybe a little bit less kicking, but I don't think he's concerned himself too much about it. He's uh, more about Klopp is about taking space. Yeah. He's about taking away space from other people and taking it for his his benefit. 
you know, like for his in when it comes to taking talking about teams, like the the teams that he plays against, a lot of the teams that he plays against generally play really beautiful. And what he does, but like Manchester City, for example, uh, and the biggest thing about that is to take away any time that Manchester City has on the ball in order to um, make it difficult for them. So a lot of the times, like, Manchester City plays a very positional-style game, way the position, mm-hmm. where everything is in this coordinated way so that they can build, you know, methodically up the, fi- up the field and break lines. And Klopp says, we're going to create chaos, and we're going to stop that from happening. And it starts with what they call now as Genshin Press, which is mm-hmm. a German, like a German pressing style, which which is where heavy metal football comes from. Which is where heavy metal football comes it's from. It's not Metallica or Megadeth or any black death metal things that people know about, which I don't. But really it know. is from a tall, thin man wearing a baseball cap and glasses. <laughs> not anymore. No glasses anymore. No more glasses? No, he got his eyes fixed. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He still wears a baseball cap, though. He does. Uh, and he wears weird jackets with high pockets. <laughs> He does. I, f- I forgot about the high pockets. You right. wear the yeah. high pockets, and it's a very interesting look, and I go, hmm, I wonder can, if I could wear that right. myself. Can I get away with <laughs> high pockets? I think, yes, I can. I want to. <laughs> right. I, I dare to dream. So Liverpool, it's fair to say, four games into the season are not performing as well as expected. They're supposed to be out-and-out favorites. They've won one game. Drawn two. Drawn two. And lost to Manchester United. And lost to Manchester United, which looks terrible this season. Most seasons, not terrible. This season, very terrible. It is their deepest rival in English football. I mean, Manchester United-Liverpool is one of those crazy rivals. It's not Derby necessarily where they're in the same town, but it's in a very intense rivalry. And generally, one of one of those two teams is either mm-hmm. up or down. It goes, it's not usually that they're both like equally level. And yeah. so it was just one of those weird days, like Liverpool dominated possession and Manchester United played like Liverpool would have played back in the day. At the very beginning, which is like pressing hard, trying to win the ball, trying to close down space, playing really physical, and somehow won the game through that. They were not the better team. I would not say that. But Liverpool kind of fell into a like an old Arsenal trap, which is like moving the ball really well, moving it into lots of spaces, but not really doing much with it. And so falling in love with the ball on their feet. Right. Right. Which is anti it's very not Kloppian. It's not like a Klopp sort of No the style. Normally they're very decisive. But because of the way they were playing, the way that they had to play, and the people that they had and didn't had uh, have, um, they were forced to play that way. So they've been missing a lot of their midfielders. Um, their defenders aren't fully healthy, and so they had to play a very different style of play than what they normally do. When they had one of their better midfielders come back, guess what happened? They just absolutely destroyed a, I mean, probably relegated team in May. I, I mean, They might have been relegated the other day. They, <laughs> Liverpool took their frustrations out yes. on Burnmouth and it was not pretty. Nine nothing. And Which is a record it's like the record victory in a Premier League game is nine nil. 
So yeah, they are. It's interesting. Klopp is a Klopp has these moments where he builds teams up and then they fall down for a little bit because they work so hard. They are generally one of the most fit teams in all of Europe, but it comes at a cost sometimes. And you lose paid players. And I think right now what's happening is they climb the mountain and I think they're right over the peak and they're going to have to go down this little bit of a valley to climb up again because they lost some players and some important players at that. I mean, um, Sadio Mane was maybe one of their best players, if not their best player at that team. Starring for Bayern Munich. Playing for Bayern Munich now. That I think is looking to change their identity. I think Liverpool are in search of a new generation of players. And I think they've been really good at finding those players. The players that they've signed and brought into the team are definitely Klopp players. It's just going to take a little time to... There's a bridging of the gap between Mo Salah, who's 31, Virgil van Dijk, who's also 31, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, James Milner, 37. Firmino is 33. 31 or yeah it's like 32 33 yeah yeah, yeah. And might even be younger than that but it doesn't it's not they're all pushing an age where the height of the prime is starting to now wane with the only ex- the exception of maybe a van dyke where he will probably still be excellent for the next three years he, he's and, very large he's very large yeah, yeah he's gonna he'll be fine He'll probably be fine until 34. But the rest of them, like, when you're talking attacking wing players, by the time you're 31 or 32, it's like when those things can sign us start to stop. And you lose that one step, and then sometimes it's just enough to take you from absolutely great to good. To good. And Liverpool has to be great. When they're good, they're not going to be challenging Manchester City. No. And I think that's where this next generation of player will come in. Um, uh, players players such as Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes and Deco Jota, they're all young players that suit Jurgen Klopp's style. And they will be the next generation of players who will bring them forward to, to greatness. Because Luis Diaz has already been great for them. Like, he hopped in, which was sort of amazing, where he hopped in and has been great since the moment he stepped on the field just immediately immediately came in and and understood what his his job was he's been transformational too because he's he's got a different gear than a lot of those other plays slightly different than some of those other players but is still very much a clock player you know he'll press hard but he has like little bits of skill and trickery that some of these other players don't have that is really beneficial for that liverpool team right now i think his greatest failing right now Klopp, is that he brought in he's brought in so many central midfielders and hasn't really been able to find exactly what he's wanted at even even in the past even when they did win the title and other things they i think uh, fabinho is one guy that he really loves but other than that i think it's been constantly like people that kind of float flutter in or float in that are really good for a period of time and then they they'll find someone else and uh um, genie winaldum when Aldum, I think, should have been a guy that should he, he should have stayed. I think he was yeah. one of those players that was let go that maybe... I think Klopp has some regrets about in some ways. Um, I think he has expressed his desire for Wijnaldum to stay. Yeah. Um, then there is... He's had Tiago Alcantara, who has, at first, was had a really tough time, but has actually been much better. But he's not necessarily an ideal fit for that system. Yeah. And then you have Nabi Keita, who has been... He's been... A disappointment. It, it, that's fair to say, 
because he was supposed to be the guy, one of the best midfielders in Europe. Well, he was supposed to become that because yeah. of of the style of play. Because he came from RB Leipzig, who played that way, and that at that time were playing like heavy metal, like high pressing, all of that. So he, the the idea is that he's got a tailor made midfielder to take the next step. And he 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 got he also has been hurt a lot. He's been injured a lot, but it never ended up happening, and never never seemed to click um, in the style of play. He's actually had to rely on James Milner, who is now going to be 37, to kind of st- fill the stop gaps, which is amazing. I mean, James Milner is a freak of nature. Like, like there are plenty of videos showing how athletically freakish he is. Like, in in and like physically fit he is. He's like still probably the fittest player at Liverpool, and he was the fittest player at Manchester City, and he was the fittest player at Newcastle United. He was the fittest player at Aston Villa. And he was the fittest player at Leeds. All of those teams, he was the most fit player. He's and he could play anywhere. Yeah. Downright ancient at yeah. 37. Just, and he can still do it. I can't imagine being 37 and still playing football I mean, professionally. I am 37, <laughs> and I feel broken every day I wake up. <laughs> and I'm not out of shape. I will make, I mean, I'm not right. James Milner fit, but my I'm not out of shape. cry every moment I'm awake. <laughs> so it does seem like they're, they're aging a little bit. But Klopp is a builder. He's a builder, yes. So he has developed this system. He's got young players that fit his system. And as his players are aging out, he can he can bring in new players. Right. With a clear direction and understanding of what what he's trying to do right and i would i would say it goes deeper than that so like the idea is that he'll bring in young players but he's also seeing a much bigger picture with regards to i mean he has an ownership that also is helping with regards to this but he has a much bigger picture with regards to how he the players will be developed and um the idea of actually building an academy that will bring in youth so there isn't this push to constantly be buying players in and there's also the other aspect of including the community and having everyone be together fighting for the same cause and so they've just built like a it's like almost a hundred million dollar training facility on a a suburb outside of out of uh, liverpool that he had his hands all over like he like at first when they just they started this project in the designs he scrapped a lot of them he was the one who was like no no we're gonna do it this way and the idea being was that he wanted to be able to have access to all of the players there and so there will there are separate fields for really young players but the idea is that that everyone is part of the same same collective same same collective so and he has easy access to all of them so that he can see everything that's going on and everything kind of funnels into this huge training center with all these amazing uh, all this amazing technology and things that like massage therapy units and cold units and all the things that like a modern football club needs at this point and he was instrumental in making sure it was built in a very specific way so that it was calming like it created an environment where people were at ease and that people could feel that they could express themselves fully so it's all really really um kind of amazing that he had that forethought and the ability to see that in the long term he also was part of the Dortmund rebuilding of their training center as well which that's where he gains inspiration from and he was instrumental in rebuilding that one as well 
and I think that kind of forethought is really important with not only just um, it has such financial implications because even if these some of these players don't make it to Liverpool or don't play full-time for Liverpool, there's still money that can be brought into the club so they can buy the next great thing. And that's what he's building, and he's building generations of football players, not just this one. There's an, an element of sustainability and forethought to what Klopp has proven to bring to, to these clubs. Mm-hmm. He's not just building his side. Right. He's building a future for that side, right. for that club, even after he leaves, which I believe we he has spoken of before. Yes, he This has. may be being his last... Yeah, this um, will be the last... Like I think this may be the last club he'll work for. He has signed his last contract at Liverpool. I think he'll be done in 2025. There's an idea that he's going to be done for a little bit and then think about what his future will hold. And in a way... I don't blame him. He's put in a ton of time and a ton of energy, a ton of effort to building this team um, and playing with... He, he's someone who builds integrity into his teams, like real integrity, something that I respect greatly. And I think he's someone that wants to... The clubs that he goes to, I think he wants to see succeed further down the line. He doesn't want to just build it for himself because it's, it's more... Like, his legacy will last longer if... The generations after have won things because of what he's built 20, 15, 30 years prior, whatever it may amount it may be, because it's important. Those things are really important is what he's done. Do you think that all of this so far sounds an awful lot like what you'd like your national football uh, association to do? It seems like he's adapt at building systems and uh, connections amongst his like like area and building these clubs up and I I know that we, you and I had spoken of this off air. Uh, we wouldn't be surprised if he worked for a national team. Oh, definitely. I think I think he'll look at a national team that he might look right away to the German national team. I think he has talked about that in the past where he it's something that he desires to, to do at some point. But I'd also see him being part of a, you know, a national team that needs some restructuring that may need some guidance from time to time. And a great example would be the United States, a, a country that though they are gaining on some of these European countries could use that could be like the final step towards something of like real greatness and stature in in world football someone like him who will have all of these different ideas that can come in that even like like little details that we don't talk about that he will bring in that will change how we play and honest in a way this is a much better he would be a great fit for the united states because one we like to run two we like to work hard and three we will become technically very similar to a lot of these other other players in the, around the world it's the gap is closing it's getting slower and smaller and smaller and smaller and we will have better athletes than a lot of these other other countries over time because more players are going to play soccer as the years go on i know it sounds like a crazy thing but it, it's going to happen we only been saying it for what 20 years 30 yeah. years it's actually point. happening too there are better athletes it now than there were 20 years ago um i wouldn't be surprised if klopp decided to take a much smaller nation as well with basically no football program and was just kind of like oh, and i cannot remember his name who was the englishman that went to austria in like the 20s who basically like created oh, yeah. austrian football. football from the ground yeah I, it, um 
Klopp, to me, seems like he's one of those kinds of people where he might just go and be like, well, the North Koreans need football. I don't, I mean, not North Korea specifically, but somewhere, somewhere right, that. Right, right, right. Like, oh, Jamaica, they don't have a crazy program. Let's see if we can right. build that. Yeah, let's or, take yeah, 50 yeah. in the world or yeah, 70 yeah, yeah. in the world and let's turn them into, you know, 30, 25, yeah. like, and just enjoy his somewhat retirement, you know, as more of like an overseer type. But who knows? I mean, he's he's a pretty intense guy. So. Yeah, I think he knows how to do things one way. And I mean, and it's a really, really, really excellent way. <laughs> I just think it might take a toll on his mind and his body and his soul. Yeah. And I just wonder, I, I, I see him letting up in certain ways and there are certain things that he's letting go of. Like his some of his intensity has definitely dropped in some ways, like in a good way. I think it's dropped because it's allowed him to be more stoic and more in control of his emotions and things so he doesn't lose the big picture because i think he's realized how big how important it is to have that big picture in his mind at all times yeah like he's like found that balance between the two liverpool in a way has helped him see that you know i think part of it is that in the stadium being essentially being rebuilt because now they're building a second stand <laughs> and um those things like give they offer perspective in a way you know yeah. they offer a way to see the game a little bit differently and they don't have the money to compete with some of these i know it seems like they do but they really they and they do in a sense have that kind of money but they also don't it's not like the the fsg group uh which is owned by the red sox i mean the red sox own are owned by fsg excuse me and the penguins and, and roma. the ping and roma they own roma now too they've actually owned roma first Oh, I thought they... Oh, no, that was a different group, I thought. There was a different... Anyway. Oh, you know what? So it's... Uh, John Henry is the principal owner of Fenway Sports Group. I believe the lesser partner. Oh, okay. Is the... D-Benintendo or something like yeah, that? Yeah, is He's... who owns Roma. Because they both, Liverpool and Roma, were kind of doing analytics. Oh, they were football. doing like a connection sort of thing? Kind okay. of, right. Like, you know... They played preseason games together. You know, at Fenway. Yeah. Once at... or twice. Fenway. Yeah, yeah, a few times. I think I think with Klopp seeing all of those things, they don't have the kind of money to compete regularly. Like, they right. can't spend hundreds of millions of dollars every window. They don't have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in the window because... Uh, oh, they can't, actually, because they it's it's kind of structured in their business group that they cannot do it you know they money gets spent over so many different uh avenues that you know they can only spend within their means in a way and the greatest thing that happened to them was when Philippe Coutinho was sold to to Barcelona for 150 million dollars maybe more 170 maybe but it was it was a crazy amount of money and it ended up buying them Van Dyke and Allison, which were the players that they needed. And that's when they started to go on the crazy run. That was that was when everything sort of changed. And and now they probably have a little bit more revenue they did than they did in the past. They're obviously competing in the Champions League every year. They're getting deep into the Champions League every year. They're they're always finishing near the top of the Premier League. But they will never be a team that's going to spend two hundred and fifty million dollars in a window. It's very rare. There's only a couple of teams that can really do that, but they're not going to do that. They're gonna maybe if you see they spend a hundred million dollars, it's because they sold the player for a high fee. Uh, that's the way it will work for them. So what you're telling me is a team owned by John Henry won't spend $250 million on great players? Uh-huh. Weird. Ooh, yeah, it's so weird. It's almost I, like they, you know... I've, I've never seen that happen. Not once. Certainly not with an MVP. <laughs> so we did mention that we were going to talk about two things in this podcast. Yes. So 
would Thomas Tuchel ever build a club like that? That's a great question. And it's something that's interesting because, in a way, Tuchel has followed Klopp in every destination he's gone to. So Klopp played, uh, coached it at Mainz, brought them up to Premier League. I mean, brought them up to the Bundesliga, excuse me. They were relegated and didn't necessarily get them back up, but was have changed the whole dynamic about how that club worked. And had done a whole bunch of work. And he got them to fifth, I think, one year. Mainz, which is like a tiny little club, like crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, thing that happened and then they ended up selling all their players and what really happened is that there was just a talent drain from them because everyone bought all their players and it became too much and they dropped they didn't go up right away it took a couple years before that actually happened and then Tuchel had followed him and brought them back up and they've been there actually ever since Tuchel has played different styles and different um, ways but he has a very similar Gengen press or Genjin press that that Klopp has with regards to style of play. They both like to, to press heavy from the front and they like to create a style that um, forces players, they take away space from other players, their opponents, which is a big deal. Now, after Mainz, he actually followed Klopp at Dortmund. He was a coach there. He was there for three years, maybe three or four years, something like that. He brought in some great players. They actually played some beautiful attacking football, but they never ever reached the heights that Klopp's teams uh, did. They came close, but not close enough. You know, like he was the one who brought in Aubameyang, um, Henrik Mkhitaryan, who was the best player in the Bundesliga when he was there for a period of time. He brought in a bunch of guys that could really play, but they never ever won the Bundesliga. I don't. They didn't win many titles or anything in the time that he was there. They just consistently finished like second or third, and were constantly in that like Europa League, uh, Champions League place, fighting for those places on a consistent basis. And in his defense. Though, you know, he's doing our boy Pulisic dirty, so defending Tuchel is just downright un-American at this point. Mm. Tuchel was managing Dortmund during Bayern's reign of evil. They It's eight straight now for them. And no, it's ten. Ten. Oh, They're right. it's ten been a decade. Yeah, it's been a decade at this point. Yeah. Time flies. Well, but... yeah, 2022, yeah. Last 2012 was the last time they won. Someone else won it, so... They're yeah. in 10-year territory, and they're going to win it again, it looks like, too. No one's stopping them. Yeah. Uh, so coming in second is basically winning the Bundesliga, except for that one team that always wins. And he also, I mean, at that time, too, he was playing against a Pep Guardiola Bayern, which is a really difficult task in itself, just playing Pep Guardiola consistently. And the thing is, is that he actually has had the better of Guardiola in some instances. He has won a Champions League over Pep Guardiola. So it's not that he has been poor against him. It's just that he just didn't have the depth or the resources to compete consistently because Dortmund is a feeder club, unfortunately. They should be more than that. I think they are going to be more than that sooner than we think. My hope is that they will be. But they are a feeder club to, guess what, Bayern Munich. To Bayern Munich and all the other great European clubs, they do that. That's what Bayern Munich does. They turn the Bundesliga into a feeder league for them. For the and, greatness of them. And yeah. then they go and smash people in the Champions League. They actually make it very deep in the Champions League every time. But going back to Tuchel, Tuchel is not a guy necessarily who's going to build in a big picture way that Klopp necessarily does. At Mainz, he built a great team, but he didn't. It's not nec- he wasn't thinking necessarily of a big picture with regards to how the club will run long term. And neither did he do that at Dortmund. Dortmund had, fought, had once Klopp had kind of 
turn things around and turned it into a club that could compete consistently. And he knew that they had to sell their best players, but he knew that recruiting was really important and recruiting young was really important. Once they figured that out and found people that knew how to do that, they essentially were going to be in that top three or four every year because they knew they had the players of that level. And they knew that they could bring young players in because they knew they were going to play. So those all those things adding added everything up to them consistently being great or at least really really good and they'd be in champions league because they're making funny money from champions leagues and all of those things now with tuchel tuchel is different tuchel would bring players in but it's not necessarily like they they still had that system in place so you didn't have to worry about that and the stadium and the training facilities had all been done and it's not to say that he couldn't have done that but i just think he's a guy who would much prefer to have to deal with that and then he's the one who wants to bring it even to he wants to bring it all the way to 11 he wants it like everything to be so perfect like beyond perfect and it it talks about in his trainings he brings players to like such a degree it makes it so difficult for them so that when they play in a game it's much much easier so he'll like create like weird fields or or make fields so small that it's almost impossible to move and for players to play consistently and it makes it difficult can make it really difficult sometimes and i think what tuchel does is he makes it really difficult on the people around him he challenges a lot he's very outspoken and he's had his issues with people higher up that has had him never met a club he hasn't been fired by yeah essentially (laughs) yes they've been fired from most of his clubs that he's been a part of almost all of them actually i don't think he he didn't step away from psg didn't step away from dortmund he didn't step away from Mainz. i believe he's been fired at every club and it's because he he's either asked for too much or he's couldn't stop running his mouth or it's something He's very mercurial in a lot of ways. Brilliant at times, but mercurial. Uh, he wanted to fight a little Italian manager the other day. I, he's has, I wouldn't call it a temper, but a, a fieriness to him that probably gets grating after a while. Like Being challenged constantly is not the most fun. Yeah, and his most recent thing of calling out his players in the way that he has is like another sign of his demand and his demand for himself and demand for the people around him consistently to a point where it it backfires like this that's the type of thing he brought up what was the quote that he brought up that you brought up about him and like saying that he doesn't have enough competition for places and i do not remember the exact context but his quote essentially was no having too many good players trying to get in your squad is a good problem to have i wish i had that problem and his side is a very expensive side with very talented players. Uh, it's It's been clear from... He's actually been very vocal the entire season about not liking the players he has for the attack. And this is just kind of a continuation of that. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem totally satisfied. And in all of his stops, it's been marked by that. He never seems completely satisfied with the side he has. I think there's a deeper problem with Tuchel too where he he does have the system that he wants to play and it's it's not necessarily like tactic specific or like uh, formation specific but he has this very specific ideal that he wants to play at and he needs these very specific players to do it where a guy like Klopp doesn't necessarily I mean he likes to have his players but he doesn't necessarily have to have the most ideal fit you know he can find players that are not necessarily the ideal fit and make them work Tiago is a great example of that 
Thiago is a ball playing center mid. And in these Liverpool teams of the past, where or of his first generation, that that's not what they did. They shuttled and they worked hard and they won the ball back in the middle and they mm-hmm. clogged up the middle. Tiago was the opposite of that because he knew he also had an understanding of his team changing, of having to change. They had to learn how to beat teams that sat back. He wasn't going to be able to play long balls across the field like the the width of the field, long diagonal balls, and constantly win that win that way. He he knew he was going to have to play through the middle at times and win games that way. And it took a year. It took a year. Tiago really struggled at first. But after that first year, Tiago understood exactly what he needed to do. And he was great. Like, he was so good for them. And he was good for them in the Champions League final. They Liverpool were really unfortunate. They hit the post twice. And they, saw, and they, they gave up one chance of that whole game. They somehow <laughs> lost. And they lost. And yeah. Courtois was out of his mind. And... That's, I mean, they, they probably should have won that final. But uh, this is getting out of the way. But, like, with Tuchel, it's a little <laughs> different because Tuchel thinks he needs these very specific players. But the thing is, he actually has players that can fit his style. And something happens, he doesn't really like them anymore. Or something happens, and right. there becomes... I feel like there becomes, like, a personal element to it. And, it, and it's actually shown up in his past with certain players. You know, like, Pulisic is one. Aubameyang was another. Mm-hmm. He had some of his issues with Aubameyang. Um, even though they're talking now, like, it's all cool and this and that. Like, because they... <laughs> He, uh, right. he wants him there. Um, and Obama Yang's a different player now. He's 33. He's right. not the same lightning fast player he was at 24. He, he's 25. not just a straight poacher who, yeah, gets, yeah. who gets there and, and scores. Right. And so, like, it's just very interesting to me that he does these things. I think it's more of a sign that maybe he's overwhelmed by some of the jobs that he's had to take on. And it's really interesting because he's won all of it. Right. He's got, he's brought a PSG team that has credit, uh, like, chronically underachieved he brought them to a Champions League final and almost won it. Like, so, so close almost won it. They lost 1-0 to a Bayern team that was dominating. And and they actually played really well against them and had their, their opportunities. But with this Chelsea team, it's a little different. So he came in after Frank Lampard was fired. They played really well for the rest of that season. They ended up winning the Champions League against Pep Guardiola. Yeah. They won that Champions League. They played a really hard-nosed physical style. Uh, Rudiger knocked out De Bruyne like in the second half. They did the whole thing. He broke his, yep. shattered his nose. Yep. Did the whole thing. But what ended up happening is they they didn't really grow from that point. They, if anything, they regressed. They yeah. regressed from that point. They they found different things that they were really good at, but they didn't really change. They didn't really change or grow from that point. And they ended up being worse in the end. And the thing is, is they bought players specific for Tuchel. They brought back Lukaku. They brought in a couple of players. And guess what happened? They all backfired. He, he didn't want any of them. Didn't want any he of them. He got the new toy and he's like, no, I don't like that one. Yeah, I don't like that toy. And yeah. you're like, wait a second, we just spent like $100 million on this guy. Like $120 million on this guy. And you're saying you don't like him? And, and guess what? He got loaned. They loaned him back. <laughs> they loaned him back for nothing. Right. Almost nothing. Like $10 million. So like you're talking about huge losses in the transfer market and things like that. Things that, you know, maybe to, uh, Klopp could do from time to time. But he's so well versed in how the market works at this point in his career that it doesn't necessarily happen. So I'll I'll actually bring up the uh the Firmino paradox. Firmino was a attacking midfielder, right? Or Firmino? just a, a midfielder. Bobby Firmino? You're yeah. talking about Liverpool. He's yes, like yeah. a, he's a striker. Yeah, was striker it? attacking mid. Yeah. He was he was both, yeah. So when Klopp comes in, he sees this player who no one would look at and be like, that should be my nine. 
That's my number nine. He's my, he's the tip of the spear. And he goes, this guy does everything I need, or this guy does these things I need. So I'm going to use him. And he's become one of the best players in the Premier League. And I don't think Tuchel ever has that exact kind of thought where he looks at this thing, looks at this player and he goes, I see what you, what you have. Right. Or like, I see what I want you to be. Whereas Klopp looks and he's like, well, you do these things so I can use you here. This will be good enough. Um, and obviously he's very, very smart in the transfer market about getting that, getting players that have the traits he needs. But it, it does seem to be a stylistic or philosophical difference between the two of them. Right. Tuchel is significantly less flexible. Um, in a lot of ways, yeah. And Tuchel also doesn't care as much about the market as Klopp does. Yeah. Klopp is trying to build sustainability for like like the next years so he can keep building. Tuchel is like right now. Tuchel is all about right now. And he doesn't care if his players don't work out. He ends up selling them for pennies on the dollar. And sometimes that is to his detriment. And Klopp will have those moments too. Klopp has had those. He's going to do it now. He's going to do it next year with Firmino. He's going to do it with... He did kind of did it with Mane because he could have sold them for double the amount of money the year before. He's decided to hold on to him for one more year. It It, it is part of, it's part of that gambling game with him. And the thing is, is that Klopp has already figured out the next step he's already kind of navigated that in a way it's not fully there yet he probably still has two small steps to go to get to the next step but Tuchel Tuchel could invest more into the squad and he could get fired six months later and Chelsea would be roughly the the same place they'll just bring in another really really good manager yeah bringing in a good coach who will be able to bring them to third or fourth or whatever and do the same thing all over again and the thing is, is that Tuchel has that, there is an issue with that with Tuchel because I, I think he's someone that could see the big picture, but I don't know if he decides, I don't know if he really wants to see it. It does seem through his experiences that the next step for him every time he, he looks at it is, well, when I get fired and I go to my next job, this is what I'm looking for. And I don't think he ever thinks about it. I just think he's, he's accepted the reality of the situation. These teams bring me in to win. Right. And if I don't win, I get fired. And I do this again somewhere else. In a way, this is a match made in heaven with Chelsea and Tuchel. Because Chelsea want to win. Chelsea want will do it by any means necessary. They'll pay whatever amount of money it needs to be taken. And Tuchel is a guy who doesn't care about money. And doesn't <laughs> care about necessarily the future he cares about right now. Yeah. And if Chelsea are smart, they allow this to kind of play through. And it may get to a point where it gets really bad, or it may come to a point where Tuchel is no longer bringing performances up. They go mm-hmm. down, and so they have to let him go. Or maybe they decide, all right, maybe the t- performances go down and we decide to move into, uh, like, we bring in other players so that he can, you know, bring Brings them up. back up. Yeah, bring yeah. performances back up. It's great. I mean, I think it's very interesting. It actually is a really good fit, the two of them together. I never really picked up on it until today, until just thinking about the little just, details, just little things they right ask, talking right now about how important Chelsea is for Tuchel and Tuchel is for Chelsea because it brings out exactly what they want, you know, which is winning, just winning, baby. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. Yeah. Now, do you, do you remember what we had said before we went on our, at this point, five minute segue? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Don't worry about it. 
this so this happens to us pretty often where it's like we've we've just spent seven minutes somewhere fucking else man i don't i don't even remember let me try and drag but it's this important. back. The, actually, that's a really... I mean, it, we actually had a really interesting conversation. Yeah, no, that... Topic. and That was actually a very, like... And it's a part of this. It's all a part of this. Okay, found it. Okay. Okay, we're good. So, I, so, so bringing this together, bringing Tuchel and Klopp together, the reason we made this episode was basically for me to voice my frustrations about Thomas Tuchel. Partly. That's why I wanted to do Thomas Tuchel. How do you really feel about Thomas Tuchel, Ryan? Thomas Tuchel is, uh, I'm actually going to steal a phrase that I heard someone very smart about soccer say, the petulant prince following the king that has built his empire. (laughs) And I mean that somewhat kindly because he's not doing a bad job. Mm. He's just kind of a lot about it. And he, he's successful. He's taken what has been built and he is driving that bus and he has taken it just as far as it can go. Won a Champions League with, I mean, you can argue Frank Lampard's team, right? Eh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's given me a yes and no hand he gesture. He had to do some things to make that team work. Right. He, he changed how they played for sure. But, but that's kind of the thing with Tuchel. When you start looking at all of his success, he went into PSG and Neymar's already there. Mbappe's already there. They already have a team that makes the Champions League semifinals every year, you know? Mm-hmm. When he went to Dortmund, Klopp had already built Dortmund into kind of this perpetual motion machine mm-hmm. that was always bringing in somebody new and young. Jaden Sancho was already there. Christian Pulisic was already there. Obama Yang, I believe, was already there. They were just all in the youth setup. Alexander Isak was already there. Obama Yang wasn't in the youth system. He was, he was like in... 24, 25. They oh. brought him in from France, but yeah. The idea, the uh, your, your premise is correct, yes. The, the whole thing had already been done yeah and you can't dispute that that he's successful but it does seem a little bit like he just kind of smashed grabs and leaves with trophies and damn the consequences on that yeah there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with winning trophies and leaving there's there's a i mean like the clubs that's what the clubs want some clubs really just want the trophies and for you to leave eventually they don't want you there for a long period of time they just want you to do the thing and in some instances he's really successful at that but there's also like a lack of like he's like one of these great minds that could build something something incredible and i think he just chooses not to i'm not sure what the reason is for it or any of that but there's just like that there's just a little bit of tunnel vision that happens with him that the difference between him and Klopp where Klopp understands the full the full picture of how a club really needs to work from the ground up and I think it's because of their upbringing like like Klopp worked at Mainz for such a long time he was a coach he like was brought up from the ground up there you know and he had to work really hard to get to the place that he was at and he wasn't a very good player he scored some goals at Mainz but he wasn't very good, you know? He was like a halfway decent center back. And he had to learn how to build a team in a different way that catered to their finances. You know, at Mites, that's what he had to learn the hard way. It's like, oh, I don't have any money. How do I build a team that's going to compete consistently? Right. How can I beat these guys who are better than us? How the, And have way more money than us. <laughs> right. How are we going to beat the Bayern Munichs? How are we going to beat the Borussia Dortmunds? Like, we have to figure that out. With that knowledge came the the bigger picture of changing models and changing the way things worked and Tuchel never had to deal with that you know like Tuchel maybe did a little bit of that at Mainz but when he went to Dortmund it was done 
PSG, it's done. Chelsea, it's done. Like, Chelsea develops so many players. Like, they have a crazy youth system. So he never has to worry about that stuff. And in a way, it's not necessarily bad for him. But I just wonder the difference between being generational as a manager and just a really good manager or a great manager in the game in the current time. I think that is the, the biggest thing, is that Klopp will always be known as a legend at Liverpool. And he'll be known as a legend in Dortmund. And he'll be known as a legend at Mainz. Is Tuchel going to be considered that at PSG or Dortmund or Mainz? Maybe at Chelsea because he won a Champions League. But even then, I wouldn't consider it to be like a big, like all-time legend. It's not like they're going to have his name on the side, his uh, his face on the side of the stadium or anything like that. I mean, they've they've won him before. They won another one. They have won another one before with a wor- way worse manager. Um, and so, yeah, I just wonder. Maybe Tuchel's just taken to, to heart something that another great manager has said. Every team really has to change every three years. And I know that someone else, another manager, has has taken that belief to heart, mm-hmm. has expressed that in interviews. He's kind of kind of the guy that both of these guys have faced their entire careers. Kind of the, the monster at the end of the book, in a way. And I know we talked about it. And do, do you want to say it? Do you want me to say it? I think for one of them, it's a monster at the end of the, the, the bridge or the book or whatever. <laughs> I think the other one is the other monster. I think they're both monsters. Pep Guardiola is near the pinnacle or at the pinnacle. And I think Klopp is right there with him, in my opinion, um, because of the way that they have both changed the game and they both have very distinct styles and the way that they have built clubs. And the thing is, is I think Klopp has actually done more of building clubs than necessarily Pep Guardiola has in some instances. But Pep certainly has had the uh, bigger, more established clubs to build. He's had um, more resources in the sense of bringing players in, definitely. Huh. And I think they, that that huge difference. And, and I think, too, I will say this, Pep Guardiola does work with youth systems. He will... Yeah change and transform youth systems and turn uh, it into something different. But, Man City will be run the Pep way for a very long time after Pep has left. That's a good point. Yes. And I guess we'll talk more about that next, next week. week. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. And thank you for listening to another 141 Studio podcast. Singular, not plural. Singular, not plural. This was a coffee house one. Right? Yep. I think our next one, I actually think we're probably doing Coffee House through the World Cup. Yes. I think it will be be a steady uh, shot of espresso every week or maybe twice a week, depending on maybe you want a double or a triple. I don't know. We'll we'll figure that out. But we're going to start. Maybe a shot of Bailey's. In your espresso? Uh, No. No? I don't like to mix my booze and my caffeine together. It's just a little much for me. I like. I don't be... need to be like up and down. I'm already enough up down enough as it is, you know. So I like to slur my words as fast as possible. Oh my goodness me, that sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I just used to think about Jaeger bombs at like two a.m. and just oh, <laughs> that's so the just worst. a different lifetime. That, that's a different life. <laughs> that's a different life, right? So we have. We are going to start building into the World Cup. We're going to start talking about groups and like excitements and disappointments and uh, things that could happen possibly in these in these games. And you'll start to see groups come out hopefully every Friday in the future. I think 
hopefully next Friday, not this coming Friday, we will have a group A and group B. We'll do a double feature, and then I think we're going to try and do one. We'll do two a week after that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we'll talk about like who will get out of the groups, and then maybe have a little bracket of who we think will win it, or who possibly could win it. Not the English. <laughs> Says... Says the man who hates England so much. I who can't I, wait to be there. <laughs> I don't hate England. I just enjoy your suffering. Oh, man. That sounds so Victorian of you. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. And we will hopefully have you listening again soon. Bye. Bye.